Good morning, church. Thank you so very much for being a participant in our online worship service this morning. Whether you're a guest or you're a member here, we want you to know that we love you and we appreciate you. I want to say a special congratulations to all of our seniors. We love you guys and we are so excited for the very bright future that's ahead of you. This morning, we are continuing our series at home as it is in heaven. We're thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. We're thinking about the the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it means to be the kingdom of God, to be part of the kingdom of God, is to be the people who seek to do and seek to have the Lord's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we talked last week about how every single one of our homes should be little embassies of God's kingdom in our neighborhood where we are constantly and continually praying, may your will be done in my home as it is in heaven. I want to start this morning with something just a little bit different. I want to talk about uh, mission statements. I'm going to share some mission statements from different companies. I promise I'm not endorsing these companies in any way, but I want you to think about these mission statements. Amazon.com, their mission statement is this, to be Earth's most customer-centric company where customers can find and discover anything they might want to buy online and endeavors to offer its customers the lowest possible prices. Facebook has as its mission statement to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. Uber has as its mission statement is evolving the way the world moves by seamlessly connecting riders to drivers through our apps. We make cities more accessible, opening up more possibilities for riders and more business for drivers. Kickstarter has this as their mission statement to help bring creative projects to life. Google has the mission statement to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Intuit, I really like their mission statement, it says to improve its customers' financial lives so profoundly they couldn't imagine going back to the old way. What I want us to see is that every single organization needs to know why it exists. Every organization needs to know and embrace its mission. And your family is an organization. My family is an organization. Every family is an organization. And every organization should know and embrace its mission. Isn't that true? Every organization, whether it's a company, whether it's a church family, whether it's a family, every organization, and whether your family is one or two or 15 or 25, it doesn't matter how big or small your family is, it's an organization of people. And every organization should know and embrace its mission. Every organization should know why it exists, what it exists to do, and your family should know and embrace your mission. So there's the question that we're asking this morning is, do you know your mission? What is your mission? Does your family know your mission? Do you as a family know why you exist, what it is that you exist to do and to accomplish? All of these companies laid out their mission statements to say, this is why we exist. This is what we want to accomplish. This is why we're here. 
So what about you? What about your family? What does your family exist to do? What's your goal? What is it that you want to accomplish? I think it would be a fun exercise. Again, whether there's one other person in your household or whether there's a whole bunch of people in your household or even if this is just an exercise that you do by yourself to just sit down and say, what's our mission? Why do we exist? What does success look like? What are we trying to accomplish here? What are our goals? Who are we as a family? It would be interesting too, as you ask multiple members of your family, if you all agree on what your mission is. Do you all, are you all on the same page about why you exist as a family? What you're trying to accomplish as a family? What your goals are as a family? So, what is your mission? And what I want us to do is to consider what Jesus would have our mission to be. What would Jesus, if Jesus could, could look at your family and say, your household, this should be your mission statement. This is why you exist. This is what you need to be striving for every day to accomplish. Here's your mission statement. Well, I think it would sound a whole lot like what he says in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Couple of things I want us to notice. First of all, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, we all probably know this, that salt is a blessing, right? And, and the people from ancient times until today have recognized that salt is a good thing. It, it preserves and it flavors. And one of the things that, that is just true is that salt blesses simply by its very nature. Just by being itself, it flavors and it preserves. It doesn't have to do anything special. It doesn't have to strive for it. It just is salt. Salt is just salty and it flavors and it preserves. It blesses by its very nature. It makes things better just by being itself, by being what it was created to be. By being what it was created to be, it does what it was created to do. And, and this is what God's people were supposed to do. When God makes a covenant with a group of people, when God comes to dwell in the midst of a people, as he did with ancient Israel, and he came to dwell in their midst, he made a covenant with them, he made them his special people. He, he didn't just make them to receive a blessing. He made them to be a blessing. See, because when God makes a covenant with someone, he does so not just so that that people receives a blessing, but so that that group of people become a blessing to everyone around them. That's what Israel was designed to be, to be the salt of the earth, to preserve and to bless to flavor, to make the world a better place. Israel was designed to be that by just being who they were created to be, 
just by being who they were called to be, they could be a blessing. But Jesus says, if the salt changes its nature, if it becomes something other than what it was created to be and designed to be, if it's no longer has taste, if it's no longer salty, if it doesn't do what it was designed to do, then it is what? Worthless. It's, it has no value, only to be thrown out and to tr be trampled under people's feet. When God calls a people to himself and he says, be this kind of people, then that kind of people becomes a blessing to everyone around them. And so Jesus doesn't speak these words to everybody in Israel because everybody in Israel was not being the salt of the earth. He says these words specifically to his disciples, to his followers, to the remnant of Israel, to the faithful remnant of Israel. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You who are meek, you who are pure in heart, you who are peacemakers, all the things he covered in the Beatitudes, you are the salt of the earth. And then think about us. As, as those who have become followers of Jesus, we have become part of the remnant of Israel. And so Jesus says to us as well, you are the salt of the earth. Just by being who you're called to be, just by being God's covenant people, you make the world a better place. You bless your neighborhood. Your home is the salt of your neighborhood. Your family is the salt of your neighborhood. Your family is the salt of your community. You make the neighborhood a better place simply by being the people that God created you to be simply by accepting the invitation that God has given you. Now look at Ephesians chapter two because this reminds me of what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Paul wrote, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of your own doing for it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When, when God makes a covenant with a group of people, he recreates them. When God makes a covenant with a group of people, he recreates them. When God took Israel out of Egyptian bondage and slavery and made a covenant with them and made them his people, he recreated them. And if they had only been who they were called to be, if they had only, as Paul says, walked in the good works which God prepared beforehand for them to do, they would have been the salt of the earth. But so many of them had lost their saltiness. Their nature wasn't that of salt. They didn't bless. They didn't flavor. They didn't preserve. But Jesus says to the remnant, those who are faithful to the covenant, those who are being recreated by him, by this new covenant that he's making with them, by being his disciples, they are the salt of the earth. Jesus is saying to us that he's remaking us. He's making us his workmanship and that there are good works 
for us to do, that we should walk in them. Not that by doing these good works, we can save ourselves. He says, Paul says, you don't save yourself by doing these good works. You do these good works because you're saved. Because by grace, through faith, you've been saved. And you've become salt. And this is just what salt does. It makes the world a better place. It does good It preserves and it flavors and it blesses. And you are created to do that. Your family is created, is recreated in Christ Jesus to be the salt of your neighborhood, to be the salt of this community. Every single one of our families, every single one of our households has been recreated by Jesus to be the salt of Collin County, to be the salt of Texas, to be the salt of the United States, to be the salt of the earth. We were created to make the world a better place simply by doing the good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and just living out the good news, living out the gospel, being who we are created to be, we make the world a better place. But remember Jesus' warning. If the salt loses its taste, if it's no longer distinctive, If by its very nature it doesn't make things better, if by its very nature it doesn't preserve and it doesn't bless and it doesn't flavor, then what good is it? If your mission, if the mission of your family is not to be the salt of your neighborhood, to be the salt of this community, if we're not embracing our nature as followers of Jesus, if we're not blessing and not doing the good works that God prepared for us to do, if our home is no different than other homes, if our family is no different than other families, then what good is it? And what good is it? What, what are we doing for our communities? What are we doing for the world? Look at Back at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, oops, I'm sorry, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Again, just as he was saying with salt, light by its very nature, lights things up. It it can't be hidden. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. It's just going to make the world a brighter place just by being what it's created to be. Just by living out its calling, it's going to make the world a better place. Place. And you don't light a lamp and put a basket over it. You don't hide your light. You let it shine. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Not, not every Israelite, not every Jew, not every descendant of Abraham, but the remnant of people who decided to follow Jesus, to be his disciples. And that's you too, Jew and Gentile. If we decide to follow Jesus, then this truth is true about us as well. 
You are the light of the world and a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's what light does. It makes the world a brighter place. I was reading this week a story that I I found really interesting. There's been stories since like the 1700s of sailors that have been sailing through seas and have reported the water glowing and just glowing, luminescent type of light just coming up from the waters. But they just kind of ascribe that to sailors' myths and legends. Until fairly recently, uh, they actually used satellites to, to find in the Indian Sea, or in the Indian Ocean, they found that there was a huge area that was just glowing. In fact, they said that it was about the size of Connecticut. It was like 110 miles long of just glowing water. And it was actually bioluminescent bacteria. Say that five times fast. Bioluminescent bacteria. And they were feeding on these huge populations of algae. They were feeding on all of this algae, but they were glowing. This this bacteria is bioluminescent. It glows. But I want you to think about that for a second. I mean, it's microscopic bacteria. Microscopic, cannot be seen with the human eye. If you just took one of those bacteria, you you couldn't even see it. But because they were together, because they were all shining their lights together, they could be seen from a satellite in space. It goes back to what we've been saying here at McDermott Road for so long, that we really are brighter together than we are apart. That by you as an individual and you in your household and me as an individual and me in my household and this household and that household and that household and that household, when we do the good works that God has prepared for us to do, we shine like a light in the world. We we might not even be able to see it. We might be microscopic by ourselves. But together, as you do what you were created to do in Christ Jesus, you just be who you're called to be. You are by your very nature salt. You are by your very nature in Christ Jesus light. And you cannot hide a city on a hill. So your house, your home, your family, In your neighborhood, you are the light of your neighborhood. And a city that's set on a hill can't be hidden. And you don't light a lamp and put a basket over it. So your family, your home, your household needs to be the light of your neighborhood. Look at what Jesus says in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. That's it. That's the mission statement, isn't it? That's it. That's what you're called to do. He kind of finishes the metaphors. Be salt, be light. Okay, what what exactly do you mean by that, Jesus? What, What does it mean to be salt? What does it mean to be light? Here it is, right here. Do good works so that, in a way that, People give glory to your Father who's in heaven. That's the mission statement. That's what we do. We do good works because that's what we were created in Christ Jesus to do. To bless. To bless our neighbors. To love our neighbors. To help our neighbors. 
to serve our neighbors, to help and love each other, even to love and help and serve even our enemies, everybody, to be a blessing. That's what happens when God makes a covenant with you. It's not just you receiving a blessing, it's you being a blessing to everyone around you. That's what salt does. That's what light does. It is its very nature. And it's your very nature in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus says, let your light shine in such a way that other people can see your good works and that they don't give glory to you and say how awesome you are and pat you on the back and congratulate you and encourage you and say thank you for being you and doing what you do. But we do these good works in such a way that our Father in heaven is glorified. So what if, what if we as our family had this as our mission statement? Here's our mission statement. Here's my family's mission statement. Here's your family's mission statement that others may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. That's our mission statement. That's why we exist. That's why your family exists. Not just to have fun, not not to have a big house, not to have a nice car. Your family doesn't exist so that everybody is well-educated and comfortable and happy. Your family exists and has been recreated in Christ Jesus to be a blessing, to do good works so that others may see your good works and give glory to our Father who's in heaven. But that's, I mean, that's kind of vague, isn't it? It's just kind of broad and general, do good works. I mean, how, how broad could we possibly be here, right? I mean, it's just very vague. What exactly does that look like? What exactly does that mean? Why doesn't Jesus be more specific? Give me practical things, Jesus. Give me very specific things that I should be doing. Just do good works. Why, why are we being so vague? Because our talents are varied, aren't they? You have different talents than I have. You have different abilities than I have. You could do things that I can't imagine being able to do. I wish I could do what you can do. You can do amazing things. So the good works that God has prepared for you to do might be different than the good works God has prepared for me to do. The good works that you have to do and that you're equipped to do might be different than the good works your spouse is equipped to do might be different than your children are equipped to do, might be different than your nieces or nephews or grandchildren are equipped to do. But all of us have been made salt and light by our very nature. We make the world a better place if we walk in the good works that God has prepared for us to do. So here's our mission statement, that others see our good works and give glory to our Father who's in heaven. So look around. Use your imagination Take stock of your talents and your abilities and your skills and your resources and do good works so that other people see them and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You know, the church has always shined the brightest in the midst of the darkest times. The church has always shined the brightest in the midst of the darkest times. I was reading this week about uh, the plague in the third century and, and, and one uh, bishop wrote about what it was like during that plague. He wrote this in 260 AD. He said, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty 
never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another, heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. They were living through a plague, a plague that was horrible, by the way. 5,000 people a day were dying in Rome at that time. 5,000 people were dying a day just in Rome alone. And the unbelievers, especially the wealthy unbelievers, were getting out of town, and they didn't want to be anywhere near the sick. They didn't want to be anywhere near the suffering. They wanted to get themselves and their families as far away as possible. But here's what Dionysius said. Here's what Christians did. Taking no thought to themselves, they took care of the sick. They took care of those in need. They did good works. And you know, the church grew by leaps and bounds in the third century. Why? Because the world, the unbelieving world, saw these Christians and say, why do you live like that? Why are you willing to do these things? Why sacrifice your own life to take care of the sick and the hurting, those that are infected with this plague? Why would you do this? Because that's our very nature. That's what God in Christ has created us to do. But I also think about some of the things that are going on now. I heard uh, this week about uh, something that took place not too long ago, this group, I think it was called Tech Faith, and they, they hosted a COVID-19 hackathon where they took some of the problems that exist right now because of our current plague, if you will, and they invited people that had skills in computers and programming and technical skills to try to solve these problems. And people put their minds together and they combined their faith and their ability to use technology and they created solutions to these problems that COVID-19 has brought our way. That's what people of faith do. That's what followers of Jesus do. We do the good works that God has prepared beforehand for us to do. We're living through sort of a dark moment in our history. And the church has always shined the brightest in the midst of the darkest times. God has good works prepared for you to do. Your family, in your neighborhood, I don't know what that might be. It might be taking food to your neighbor. It might be taking supplies to your neighbor. It might be encouraging your neighbor. It might be just finding ways to help your neighbor have a better, brighter day. But do good works. Use whatever God has given you, your talents, your skills, your resources, your opportunities. Use your imagination and and simply make this our mission statement that others may see our good works and give glory to our Father who's in heaven. That's why we exist as a church family. That's why your family exists, to do good works, that others may see those good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. It is our very nature in Christ Jesus. You're salt, you're light, now go. Do what salt and light do in the world. Make the world a better place. Church, we love you.
and we appreciate you. As always, if there's anything with which we can help you, if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus by being baptized into Christ, if you need prayers, encouragement, supplies, food, if there's anything with which we can help you, please reach out to us and let us know. We're going to sing one more song, and then our brother Steve Strother, one of our shepherds here, will have an update and some announcements for us. Uh, he and, and Matt Mead will update us on some things going on with the church, and then brother Steve will lead us in a prayer. Thank you for being here this morning.